This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle's all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And we love talking about sex and sexuality and sexual pleasure and hope our discussions will open up your dialogue about great sex because great sex matters and you deserve it. We're so proud to be supporters of the sexual freedom movement. We believe that it's so important to accept and respect other people's choices about sexuality because when we open our minds to all the different options out there, we're better equipped to make choices that help us enjoy our couple and our relationship to the fullest. Absolutely. So has your sex life been dwindling ever since the kids came along? Are you having less and less and less sex every year? Or perhaps repetition and boredom has taken its toll? Well, you're not alone. Sexlessness in marriage is a real situation that affects millions of couples throughout the world. And if you ever feel lonely in bed, even though your loved one is sleeping right there next to you, then you don't want to miss our discussion with sexpert, speaker, and author Maureen McGrath as we discuss the causes and cures of a sexless marriage. This is A Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. So on today's show, How to Fix a Sexless Marriage, we're going to be talking about the reasons why people stop having sex and what they can do to get it going again and to get the sexy and sex back into their relationship. But before we introduce Maureen, we just want to remind everyone that David and I both were previously married and both our marriages were more or less sexless. Yes, they were. So we actually, in the last 18 months of my marriage, I only had sex with my husband once. So we know exactly what we're talking about firsthand. We sure do. And, you know, we always talk about spicing it up and living happy, healthy and horny. And even though we have lots of fun with this and it might sound a bit corny, it is absolutely the right thing and a must do to keep the passion in your relationship. It sounds corny, being horny. Horny, being corny. (laughs) Corny, being horny. We love being horny. So our previous marriages, they failed for many reasons, but for sure not having sex contributed a great deal to the failure of our relationships, our prior relationships. Both Dave and I both learned from our past mistakes. Yeah, we sure did. And you know, if you recall, Carol and I got dumped on the same day and our exes, my ex-wife and Carol's ex-husband, are now married together. Yep, just like Shania Twain. However, you know, we did it first. So now we make that conscious effort every single day to make sure we do not repeat any of our previous mistakes because we got a second chance and we're doing it right this time. Yeah, look at us now. Twelve years later, our sex life just keeps getting better and better all the time and not the other way around. So I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that our relationship began with a vow of no secrets, no lies, and no BS. No bullshit in our relationship. (laughs) You know, and as we've said many times, your relationship begins and ends in the bedroom. And what happens under the sheets is critical to the health and longevity of your marriage. Just wait. 
And, and I mean, just wait till you hear what Maureen has to say about what to do if your marriage has declined to the point of being a, sex- a sexless marriage. Exactly. And, you know, when I met David, I experienced a real sexual awakening because I hadn't had sex for a long time in my previous marriage. Well, I think we both had like a sexual awakening. We did. And at that particular time, especially those first few years, I learned more about my body, my own body and my own sexuality, actual first few years than I had in the 42 previous years when I wasn't with David. Then I was so, so fortunate to find a great partner like that. Absolutely. And this morning I gave you a sexual awakening. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That was a good one. A little cock-a-doodle-doo. So it's been quite the journey, full circle for us from sexless marriage to full stop swinging in the lifestyle and we've had so much amazing sex with so many amazing couples and friends you know we rejigged our priorities in our life to make sure our couple is at the same level as our jobs and our kids so those three priorities are right there at the same level yeah and because balance is so important you know and understanding and appreciating our bodies uh, and giving ourselves permission we have to remember those things give ourselves permission to experience as much sexual pleasure as we can yeah you gave me permission to put my <laughs> cock in your mouth this morning well there you go that's when you got my sex- your sexual pleasure absolutely but there's still a lot of stigma surrounding sexual pleasure especially for women And, you know, when you can open up the dialogue and talk freely about sex, it's just amazing how you can change your attitude about that amazing sexual pleasure. Well, like we say, triple X for great sex. And the three X's are express, explore, and experience. And it's circular. You have to start with expressing yourself and you end with expressing yourself and all the fun exploration and experience goes in between. But we should be able to talk about what we want in bed, just like we're talking about what we want for dinner tonight. Mm, Maybe I'll eat you for dinner tonight. (laughs) You know, we're not taught how to express ourselves with respect to our sexual needs. So you have to kind of figure it out on your own. And sometimes it takes time and practice to feel comfortable you know, with those intimate discussions outside the bedroom, but it's so important that you find a way anyway to have them. So on that note, we're so excited to introduce our guest today, Maureen McGrath. She's a registered nurse in the field of sexual health and host of the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 in Vancouver. Her TEDx talk called No Sex Marriage has received over 5.5 million views. (laughs) 5.5 million Million. and one because we watched it again today. (laughs) It's just absolutely so amazing. And, you know, anybody out there, go listen to it, go watch it. It is tremendous. She's also the author of a book called Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come (laughs) Without the Other. And she has so many other accomplishments. So if you want, go check out her website, backtothebedroom.com, and her blog, 50shadesofpink.ca. So without further ado, Maureen, welcome and thanks for joining us on The Sexy Lifestyle. It's my pleasure to be here with both of you today, Carol and David. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So we can just get started. Let's jump right into it. And why don't you tell us what is a sexless marriage? A sexless marriage is defined by the experts as sex less than 10 times a year. It affects about 20% of couples according to a 2016 Time Time Magazine survey. And that's in the United States or in North America? That would be in North America. Okay, so, wow. so Maureen, it's a lot of million, I, I, million couples. It is. It's a lot of million, million couples. But I can count on my hands and my toes. And if I had lots more hands and toes, how many couples that I know that have sex like 
once a year. If 10 times a year is a sexless marriage, what is once a year? <laughs> or a seriously sexless marriage. On their birthday or stuff like that. <laughs> But you raise an important question. There are sexless marriages, and then there are marriages that they may be having sex, but the sex isn't satisfying. So that's another whole group of people in marriages, and we see that in long-term relationships in particular. Wow. And so if you're talking about the bell curve of lustfulness, how many times a week is the average couple having sex? You know, it's a difficult number to put on uh, to, to actually state because, you know, we, we hear kind of one to two times a week is normal. I ne- never like to use the term normal. You know, the media puts out different numbers. For each couple, it's different. It, at least once a week seems to be associated with a happy marriage. And a satisfied sex a year. <laughs> I think that's the most important now, thing. Does a quickie count? A quickie counts. Yeah, Anything counts. <laughs> so there's lots of reasons why people stop or slow down or, or have less sex as things go on. But what are the main causes of the decline of sexual desire? Well, sexual desire, low sexual desire can affect men and or women. It's a little bit more common in women. And one of the main reasons is fatigue. With the way women are working inside and outside of the home today, they're doing the lion's share of the housework and the child care. They're... they're a little bit more, they have a bit more of a desire to be perfectionistic and make sure everything is looking great from the outside of their lives, uh, that they often get exhausted and sometimes no one else in the family will help. I had a couple this week in my clinical practice, they had four children that were homeschooled, they were in a sexless marriage, and there was no consideration, none of the children made their beds, nobody set the table, it was all put on the mother. And of course it led to a sexless marriage. So in your opinion that these being so tired means she doesn't really want to have sex because it's not maybe that it's not good enough to even make the effort. So maybe her partner needs to step it up also. Well, she almost can't have sex. Um, the, the other thing is that she was breastfeeding a baby. Uh, she was about six months postpartum, so she was breastfeeding, which is another. The hormones fluctuate during pregnancy, postpartum, and during breastfeeding, so that's another reason for low sexual desire. It could be a medical condition. It is a sign that there's something wrong, whether it be physically or emotionally or relationship-wise. So, Maureen, um, I, I get this, this case that you're talking about is, you know, she has no time. But, you know, I'm, I'm out there and I play softball and I'm with the guys and it just, you know, you, you hear the guys talking and they're happy with having sex on their birthday, sex on their anniversary. So, you know, there's messages out there that are out in public that it's OK that as you get on in your relationship, you get on in your marriage, that having less sex is just a given. Um, is that OK? Is it OK that as your relationship gets more mature that you just don't have as much sex? Uh, well, I'm meeting different guys. They're coming into my clinical practice and they're complaining about the lack of sex in their marriages. Uh, it's, it's an issue, especially if sex is important to one person of the couple. So I, I'm surprised that, that men are okay with it. Um, certain things, medical conditions may occur and they may not be feeling like having sex, but 
Certainly sex wanes as the relationship progresses. So in the first 18 months to two years, there's a hormone, PEA, that is um, released in the brain. It's scourging through your blood vessels. It accounts for that excitement that you have, that arousal. You always want to be with the person. You want to talk to them, you know, through endless hours into the night. And that wanes. The familiarity comes into play. You're, you're living together, potentially. Maybe you've had kids. You're getting busy. So the expectation is it's not the same as it was. But to go to sexlessness is not necessarily healthy or good for the relationship or for the person. Right. And I'm not saying these guys are okay with it. I'm saying they're vocal, they're voicing their the fact that they're having a lot of less sex, but they're not happy with it. They'd love to have sex. They'd love to have a threesome like every guy out there would fantasizes about. And I tell them, did you talk to your wife? And it's like, oh, why am I going to talk to my wife? She's just going to say no. Right, and communication between couples is vitally important. I cannot overstate that. And it's amazing, and I think it's in part because of the way we're socialized and educated around sex, or not. Um, People are so uncomfortable talking to their partners about their sexual needs and desires and what pleases them and and changes that they may want to make in their sexual relationship. So we're, we're shy about talking to our partners. It's an embarrassing subject for many. Sex is shrouded in shame. Um, and once you recognize the problem, you know, it is you need to understand what your problem is and you need to actually get to the root of the problem because there are many risks to a sexless marriage. And unhappiness is one, and that can lead to loneliness and it can lead to a lot of other things like infidelity as well. Now, I know that it's hard sometimes to talk about sex because we're not really um, taught how to explain and express our, our opinions and our needs to our, our spouse. But do you think that these sexless couples are suffering in silence and not seeking help? Is that because they're Instead all, of speaking up. Yeah, is that because they also have a hard time speaking about sex in general? You know, I did a research study about 12 years ago, and we put an ad in the local newspaper here, and we were running two research sites. I, I was recruiting, the study was recruiting women between the ages of 24 and 44 who were in a committed relationship who had not had sex with their partner for at least a year. No. 500 women phoned. No. They said, your ad spoke to me. No. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know this was a thing. I have low sexual desire and I don't, and I want to stay with my partner. I love my partner, but they'd either had... Uh, lost their sexual desire or they'd never had it. So this is an issue. It's shameful to talk about. People are nervous to talk about it with their physicians potentially because they might be playing golf with them on a Wednesday or they don't know where to seek help. This is not something typically we associate with health, sexuality, but it is a, a big part of our health. And it really depends on the a person's age, the length of the relationship, the circumstances, the sexual history, the attitude about sex, the time of life. And it's not ever about comparing yourself to the neighbors or how much sex they're having. It's about what is satisfying to you in your personal sexual relationship. So these guys that I play softball with, and they're sitting there chatting and talking, and Carol and I are both out as swingers, and everybody knows we have a radio show, and we've written a movie, and you know we talk about it all the time. And I go to them, and I say, guys, you know, um, you have to do something. You have to put in the effort. If you want more sex, you got to, I guess, talk about it. But, you know, don't come home 
had having had seven beers at softball, put your feet up on the couch. You know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about the difference, uh, what turns women on and what turns men on. But is it is it just me or is it just that general population are okay with just having less sex? You know, I, I, it's difficult to tar everybody with the same brush. There are other conditions that can happen to a young woman who's just delivered a baby or a woman who's postpartum or pregnant or perimenopausal, menopausal, or postmenopausal, which is when it occurs most commonly, and that is vaginal dryness, which leads to painful sex. Painful sex affects about 16.6% of women. So that's, again, another taboo subject. If a woman has had an experience of painful sex, she's not going to want to have sex with her partner. He may not even know. If he does know, or, or she, if they're in a same-sex relationship, they, nobody wants to inflict pain on somebody else. About 70% of women will experience vaginal dryness, and only 5% are treated. And it's easily treated with personal moisturizers, low-dose localized estrogen therapy, and the, uh, a new therapy, which is the Mona Lisa Touch, which is a new hormone-free laser technology treatment that is performed in five minutes uh, over three treatments over 18 weeks in the doctor's office. A woman can come and have it done on her lunch hour. So that's another very, very common issue for women that will shut down a sex life. All right. So tonight I have a softball game after the show. I am bringing a package, a bag, a box of lube packets, and I'm <laughs> going to give lube, great silicone lube to all the guys and say, go home and use this with your wife. And make sure you Now lube is, is good for during intercourse. It's not going to treat it. Silicone lube is good for women over the age of... 48, you know, so women in their 50s. So it depends on what age. That's why age is really important as well. Um, and so, and also just to hand a package of lube to a woman that you haven't been having sex with for a while uh, may not dance, cut right? it. So that's why the conversation communication is also so important. But a personal moisturizer is different than a lubricant. And you have to be very careful about what you put on those sensitive vaginal tissues, especially if they, the tissues have become thin and dry as a result of decreased estrogen receptors in the urogenital tract and the vagina. So it's a, this is a medical condition. This, once again, is a sexual health issue, a very common sexual health issue that is actually a medical condition and can really tear apart a relationship. I've had many women present to my clinical practice after a divorce because of vaginal dryness, because of painful sex, and they, they could not have sex. They didn't know what was going on with them. They thought they had cancer. She and the partner never discussed it, and it ended in divorce because the partner may have thought she was cheating, going outside of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of misconceptions about this, but again, it's a very important medical issue. Fantastic, Maureen. All right. We're going to remind everyone that this is a sexy lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. Today, we're talking with author and sexpert Maureen McGrath from Back to the Bedroom. Now it's time for a short word from our sponsor, and we come back. When we come back, we'll get into how to fix that sexless marriage. This segment is sponsored by the SDC Cruise Caribbean Dreams from December 9 to 16. We're booked. We are. We are. Can't wait to go. We had some friends sign up with us this weekend, and they're coming as well. Yay. 
So if you've ever attended an SDC takeover event, you know how they can create the ultimate erotic setting. SDC has been hosting swinger travel since 2006, and they showcase sexy, fun couples from around the world, offering sensual theme nights, exotic pool parties, sexy playrooms, the possibilities are endless. They are absolutely endless, and all those fantasies come true. So SDC were the first to do a lifestyle cruise on a smaller, you know, more intimate boutique style, uh, absolutely five-star cruise ship, and their upcoming Caribbean dreams, which we're going on, yeah, will be their sixth lifestyle cruise event visiting the beautiful Caribbean islands, and we're going to be leaving from San Juan, Puerto Rico. So you can join us on this SDC cruise in December by checking out our website, thesexylifestyle.com, for all the details. It's funny how our website is called thesexylifestyle.com. Our radio show is called thesexylifestyle.com. Very cool. And we are Carol and David from thesexylifestyle.com. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? So send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. Today, we're talking about how to fix a sexless marriage with author, TED Talk speaker, and sexpert Maureen McGrath from backtothebedroom.ca. So, Maureen, we talked a little bit earlier and you touched on this, and I just want to elaborate a bit more about sexual compatibility and how much that contributes to the sexless marriage situation. That contributes quite a bit. And you take that back to the importance of who you decide to marry. It's the most important decision of your life. And sexual attraction and sexual compatibility is extremely important, especially at the beginning, because a lot of couples are at risk of losing that, but if you've had it once, you're more likely to get it back. The problem arises when somebody settles because they're afraid their biological clock is ticking, or they feel that they need to depend on somebody financially, or because somebody ticks all the right boxes. They come from the right family, from the right town, they drive the right car, they have the right job meets all the, the prerequisites that you have in your mind as a fantasy perfect person to spend the rest of your life with. So if you place a lot of importance on the material things of life and not the intimacy and the sexual attraction and the sexual desire, your marriage is at risk of being sexless and very unhappy. And what about the couples that, you know, they have a pretty good balance with family and kids and work and one partner uh, wants sex, we'll say every day, and the other one wants it once a year and one wants to do it doggy style and one wants to do it hanging from the chandeliers and one says, you know what, don't wake me up and I'll get back to you. And they're just on different pages. How does that sexual compatibility play into this um, sexless marriage? Well, we call that desire discrepancy, and that description is one on steroids. So no two people are going to have the exact same desire for one another at every single time of the day, perhaps you two. 
Carol and David. <laughs> you <laughs> mm-hmm, might. Thank you. <laughs> but that's unusual. That's not the norm. And so desire discrepancy is very common. But as long as a couple has, you know, a very similar needs and similar desires and, and it's not such a vast difference of desire for that one wants it every day and the other one wants it once a year, that will lead to a lot of problems. So just understanding where your partner is in life, if they're particularly stressed. I had a, a, a patient in my clinical practice who his wife was very stressed at work and she brought it home every day and he checked out emotionally. She didn't want to have sex at that time and because she was so all consumed with her job. And so he checked out and somebody at work caught his eye and probably noticed that he was a bit vulnerable. So there's a big risk when the desire discrepancy is a wide gap. And what we talked about balance earlier is keeping that your job, the family and the couple all at the same priority, that your couple has to have a high priority in your life. Otherwise you lose it. Use it or lose it. Sorry, hormone fluctuations do make a big effect on sexual desire. You touched on that going through menopause and stuff, but even before women make their change in life, they're already, even in their young 30s, having less and less sex. That's right. A lot of women who are on the oral contraceptive pill may experience low sexual desire and vaginal dryness as a side effect of the oral contraceptive pill, Um, being stressed. Being attached to this digital world is really impacting our sexual intimacy. Sure you know, is, we're yeah. used to touching our iPhones, but not touching ourselves or touching our partners, for example. Yeah. Wow, so that's, a good that's point. changing the way we love and the way we touch each other. Now, and how? What is that connection between sexual desire and arousal? Well, I'm glad you asked that because this is one of my uh, pet peeves, shall we say? Education about the female sexual response cycle. We have a number of different models. Masters and Johnson developed their model in the 50s in their sexual laboratory, and they viewed it as a linear model. So that sexual desire must come first, and then comes arousal and excitement, lubrication, plateau, orgasm, and then resolution for women. For men, it's quite similar as well. So when we talk about desire, um, but for men, it's desire, arousal, orgasm, and then a refractory period, so the time between when they can have sex. So that time increases as men age. So it might be a minute or two when you're in your teens, you know, an hour, but as men get into their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, it can be, you know, three days or a week. (laughs) So that's the linear response cycle. Um, There's also what we call a response a responsive desire cycle. So it's a biopsychosocial model. It was developed by Dr. Rosemary Besson here in Vancouver, British Columbia at the BC Center for Sexual Medicine. And that speaks to a lot of women. It actually was developed during some reproductive research. So women who had gone through reproductive cancer research, women who had gone through reproductive cancer diagnosis and treatment were found to have low sexual desire. But it was found that if they engaged in sex, so taking a page out of Nike's book, just do it. Mm-hmm. So they didn't feel like having sex with their partner for because they thought it might hurt or because they had no desire, mainly, or whatever reason, they were to just do it, just engage in sex. And if they were enjoying it, then then the desire came after the arousal. So the arousal comes first, and we call that responsive desire, and that's healthy, and that speaks to a lot of women, women who are tired, women who are uh, busy, women who are, unless there's an unresolved conflict, that's, that's not a reason to just do it, but um, for just not feeling sexual desire, we often recommend, well, just do it. When you do it and you're engaged with your partner and feeling intimate, are you enjoying it? Well, then carry on. 
So a lot of women expect that desire to come first, but that's not necessarily how it works. So we sometimes tell our friends, hey, just say yes to sex. And then the arousal, then, then the desire will come, right? Just say yes to sex. That's what we like to say. Yes, and then the, the arousal may occur. And, and just say yes to sex when you are, when it's mutual and you've consented to it and you're wanting to be with that person, you're in a relationship, and so it's safe and it's caring. Um, it's just saying yes to sex any time. You know, of course, as you know, um, consent um, is a big issue right, in terms right. of uh, sexual relationships. But if yes, you're in a absolutely. committed relationship, yes. As I say, you might ju- just do it. Um, I'm going to get back to something um, near and dear to my heart, which is where I was in my previous marriage. And again, back to all the guys that I play softball with. And it's about where one partner is always initiating or gets or asking for sex and gets shut down every time they're asking for it. You know, should this person just stop asking for sex? And, you know, in my previous marriage, I'd ask, my wife would say no, I'd go, I'd masturbate, and I'd get that release out. But that's not it wasn't healthy for our relationship and one of the reasons why it ended like should you stop asking for sex or do you, is there another better way to deal with this you know it's very difficult to be sexually rejected as we say in the business um repeatedly especially it impacts your sense of who you are your sex your sexual self-esteem your self-esteem it may lead to loneliness Loneliness elevates blood pressure through increasing peripheral vascular resistance. Uh, it places people at feeling badly about themselves. They think, what's wrong with me? Am I not attractive? Am I not, no longer attractive to my partner? And, and it can lead to depression. It's, it's also, sex is, is healthy for you, and, it, and it's healthy to masturbate, but it's also, you get much uh, greater surge of the hormones and the neurochemicals that are released when you are intimate with a person. So, it, again, you need to have that sex talk with your partner. You know, a lot of people are worried that they're going to hurt their partner that has low libido um, by bringing up the conversation. And so it's just a, a conversation that has to be had, you know, to, to save the marriage, basically. If you're interested in saving the marriage, I have a patient in my clinical practice at the moment. He's gone outside of his marriage. And, and like many people, he says, I, I don't. I don't want to leave my marriage, societal pressures, the in-laws, the yacht club, all of that. And he said, but of course I'm getting pressure from the woman that I'm having the affair with at work, and understandably so, and he's in a real, really difficult situation. So he's gone outside to make himself feel better. A lot of women in my clinical practice who have low sexual desire, and I say to them, you know, is it fair to impose fidelity on a, on a person who is deprived of sex from their spouse? And when that spouse has an affair, must we call it cheating, or is it merely survival? The Mm. women react the same way when I say, what if your husband cheated? These are the risks, chronic masturbation, pornography viewing, excessive pornography viewing, or or infidelity. And I say, what if he cheated? And they they all say, I would kill him. They Mm -hmm. don't want to treat their low sexual desire, their low libido, but they still want to remain married. And how fair is that? You know, it begs the question, how fair exactly. is that? Absolutely. Right. So, so, so don't stop asking for sex. Sit down and talk to your partner about how you can find that happy medium so both of you are in a good place and you don't have to go outside your relationship and talk about your fantasies and, and figure out you know, how you can work it out together. Don't just accept it and say, well, she doesn't want to fuck me. I'll go masturbate, talk to the boys and blah, blah, blah. 
you have to work on your relationship. And like we say, it's never too late to start again. Right. So if it hasn't worked in the past, get there, get there today. Right. And, and put the work in it. And often it requires work and talk and dedication and commitment and sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. So this is the Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And up next is our sexy myth busting game with sexpert and author Maureen McGrath. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? So send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. At each show, we invite our sex experts to bust a few sexy fun myths that help us filter through some of the misinformation that we find on the internet, especially when it comes to the topic of sex. We love talking about sex. So now it's time to get the real truth about sex and marriage. So Maureen, are you ready to bust some myths? I sure am. All right. I get to do the first one today because Carol did the first one every other show that we've had. (laughs) I usually start. That's okay, honey. You can start today. (laughs) So couples should settle arguments before going to bed. Not necessarily. You may not be ready to settle an argument, and somebody may need a good night's sleep. And oftentimes a good night's sleep settles things down. If you take time, think about it. Get a good night's sleep. Talk about it when both are calm. So it's not necessary. A lot of people do like to settle arguments before they go to bed. That's the way they can sleep better. But it's not always possible. So try not to adhere to a myth like that. I liked last time we spoke and you said that you like to suggest that people get naked and settle their argument in bed naked. Yes. Settle all <laughs> arguments in the bed, in the bedroom naked. That's in the bedroom naked. Thing. Yes. It sounds like fun A little bit, and at least it'll put a (laughs) smile on people's faces, because oftentimes (laughs) the things that we're arguing about with our partners don't matter in the whole scheme of life, but you can get on that pattern of just bitterness and arguing and bickering, and it's unsatisfying for both of you. You're absolutely right. So I have another myth here. Sexless couples are likely to be older. Not necessarily. In fact, uh, there's some evidence that uh, related to the research about the highest incidence, the highest increase in incidence of sexually transmitted infections is occurring in people over the age of 55. So that means they are getting down to it. Oftentimes, women at the age of 50, they've raised their children, they feel a sexual freedom, they might ask the question, is this it? And they may want to get back into, um, they have more confidence, they've shed some of the religious and some of the um, limiting educational, cultural education that women have had, so they've shed some of that and they're more open to it and they have more time, they're less tired, they're not managing so much, perhaps maybe they're retired. And also the Preside study, which I mentioned earlier in our chat, um, was a study about women between the ages of 24 and 44. And 44% of women between that age category, 24 to 44, have low sexual desire. That is a significant amount of women. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Here's an interesting one I'd love to hear your take on. Rekindling desire is virtually impossible once it dies. Not necessarily. I think if you had a a great foundation, a great base, oftentimes unresolved conflict or that that bickering comes in, there's something there. There's something there that you're angry with somebody or circumstances are such that one is traveling or one is busy, you know, after the birth of twins. 
or some other circumstance in a person's life um, that takes them away from the intimacy. And, and sometimes people just get off track. Couples just get off track. I often say, well, how long has it been since you've had sex with your partner? And they'll say, you know, 10 years. Well, why did it stop? I don't know. It just uh-huh. Stopped. And so paying attention to it is important, but it can stop for a number of reasons. A medical condition, for example, may shut it down for a year, year and a half with cancer treatment, for example, or stress in a job or the death of a parent. So there are many of life's circumstances that happen, and you just need to weather that intimacy storm or that intimate storm that can kind of, you know, fluctuate. There's times in a couple's life when it's uh, they're going to be very busy back to the bedroom and other times when they're not. Yeah, All right. absolutely. All right, here's the last myth for you, Miss Maureen. When you stop having sex, you're going to develop resentment towards each other. Uh, not necessarily. It depends on the reason for stopping having sex. So that's really related to that. But it can build up if one person in the couple wants more sex, that desire discrepancy is widening. Yes, you can build up resentment and anger and not feeling great about yourself and not getting all of those great hormones and neurotransmitters that are released. So it's certainly, um, you know, you want to stay intimate. You want to remain uh, close and touch each other and kiss and hold your, each other's hands. Those are important activities that are associated with intimate lives. Yeah, Amazing. especially when we're super busy and everybody's doing, being pulled in so many directions. You just need to keep that connection going. That's right. That was great, Maureen. Uh, you are definitely a pro at your uh, myth-busting skills. Let's remind everyone that this is a Sexy Lifestyle. We're Carol and David. And up next is our Great Sex Matters segment, where we're going to talk all about why sex is so important for a strong, healthy relationship. So just hang on. It's time for a quick word from another sponsor. This segment is sponsored by Lawand. Lawand is a high-end brand of personal vibrating massagers and accessories dedicated to promoting sexual wellness and overall pleasure. Yeah, and unlike your average massager, Lawand embraces its multifunctionality with innovative new features and premium materials for a more luxurious experience. By improving upon a popular model that we won't mention its name, um, which has definitely been long neglected, LeWand aims to embrace its role as a symbol of female sexuality. Created by certified sex educator Alicia Sinclair. Who was on our show. She was, yes. Backdoor play. Uh, LeWand is designed with pleasure in mind for all body types, encouraging and empowering, quite literally, intimacy and propounding sex-positive lifestyle. Yeah, and according to Alicia, while historically wand massagers have been marketed as non-sexual devices, LeWand is fully embracing intimate pleasure. And she says, as a sex-positive female-founded company, LeWand is redefining the wand massager, a staple pleasure product for women with premium features, attachments, and accessories that will satisfy a wider range of pleasure palettes. So to find out more, go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, click on the link, and you'll get all the information. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? So send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. 
This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. And now for our favorite part of the show, we were, where we get to talk about great sex because... Great sex matters, and we all deserve it. And today we have a sexual health educator, Maureen McGrath, from backtothebedroom.ca. She's with us talking about how to fix a sexless marriage. And in Maureen's book, A Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without Another, she talks about the importance of having a sexy health life. Uh, sorry, a healthy sex life. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's okay. A That's life. a mouthful. <laughs> um, so, Maureen, great sex matters. And in your words, tell everybody really why and how this is so important and it's true. Well, it keeps you connected to your partner and it keeps things flowing and going and you'll have a healthy relationship if you pay attention to sex in your relationship and understand how important intimacy really is. But there are also some physical benefits as well. So as I mentioned a few times in the show, hormones and neurotransmitters are released at orgasm and there's way more of them that are released when you are having sex with another person. So dopamine helps you focus your attraction to the person that you're in the moment with, in in the bed with. Uh, The norepinephrine aids in that exhilaration and that excitement that will help with arousal Testosterone for men is associated with desire. There's really no evidence to support the testosterone, although women have small amounts of testosterone. It's not going to really increase their sexual desire. Oxytocin is also released. That's the bonding hormone. It's also a natural tranquilizer. I think sex is some of the best medicine out there. If you're having difficulty sleeping or having anxiety, that release of oxytocin can help that, along with serotonin release, which provides you with a sense of calm and it decreases anxiety. The endorphins that are released reduce pain perception, and they also increase immunoglobulin A, which aids with immunity. So you'll get less colds, less sickness, more time for sex. So it's a really a physical uh, benefit to having sex, and there's just so many health benefits. You know, we're, uh, the endorphins actually mimic morphine, and so there's been so many issues around opioid medications in the U.S. and Canada, and so why not try a little sex instead? Absolutely, the all-natural method. So much that is that is so healthy for you. And I think it's so sad that most people don't even know that. So, like these kind of shows and these kind of discussions are great, but we need to get the word out there more. I don't know how we can spread the word even more, but it's it's very important to have sex. Well, on our radio show, we talk about talking about having great sex because great sex matters. We need to hit more people and tell them that. What about what happens when you don't have sex? Is it the opposite of that? Well, it is. So you won't sleep as well. You'll have, um, you know, a little bit more anxiety. You'll, you may lose your desire, you know, um, because when you get out of the habit of doing it, you just think, well, it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, you're, you'll have less of an attraction toward your spouse. And yes, the resentment may build up. So with less intimacy, going on for a person and increasing desire discrepancy in a couple, it places one of the people in the couple at chronic at, at risk of chronic masturbation um, because also loneliness. Loneliness is associated with an early death because of the rise in blood pressure. Couples are at risk of infidelity. I, I see so many patients in my clinical practice that are engaged in relationships outside of their committed one, outside of their marital relationship, and they're not happy. It becomes, you know, a very, very messy situation. It's funny, when I did that research study, the preside study, I asked the women, or I didn't, I mean, during the questioning and some of the answers that they provided, but many of them said to me, 
I have not had sex with my husband. Many of the women said, I've not had sex with my husband for, you know, two, five, ten years. And they all said, but my husband is so patient. But the reality is, the husbands are not patient or the partners are not patient. Men and women both have sexual needs. And low desire, low sexual desire can happen to men as well. And the impact for women, when a man doesn't want a woman, it really eats away at her sense of her femininity and her sexuality and who she is. So it can really impact sexual self-esteem and, and other aspects of her life. It can lead to depression. So when you're in a committed relationship, understand that Having sex is just as important as raising children and paying the bills and, you know, painting the house. And we put all these other things ahead like computers. So we put, you know, the television in our bedrooms and we we have the iPhones and the iPads and the computers. We are 10% of people check their smartphones during sex. And that's only going to increase 35%. Check it immediately afterwards. So (laughs) we really can't let the digital world enter our bedrooms. But... But we do. Now, I guess this is the burning question that we're all waiting to hear the answer. So how do we fix a sexless marriage? Well, you know, make sex a priority is very important. I cannot overstate that. Marry the right person. Marry somebody you are sexually attracted to. Whenever I see somebody says, I've married my best friend today, I I get uh, the hairs go up on my back. (laughs) And I think, no, I hope you married your best lover. Uh, Uh, But we're, we're able to say in society, I've married my best friend. But we can't say, I've married my best lover. Women are slut shamed for saying they enjoy sex. So that needs to change as well. You need to talk about sexual needs with your partner. Learn what the problems are in your relationship. Is it body image? Is it infidelity? Is it depression? Is it a medical condition? Is it your in-laws are too involved in your life? Is it you're being abused or financially controlled? Is it fatigue? So know what the problems are and get therapy. Therapy is 32 times as effective for any problem in life, especially a sexual health problem, than money. A lot of people chase money. We should be chasing intimacy in this lifetime. Also, there are certain must-have items you need in your bedroom. Take a few things out, like the TV and the computers, and bring in the, the sensual massage oil, the massagers, the, the luxurious bed sheets. Make your bedroom like a hotel room. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be expensive. Maybe bring in some essential oils, uh, you know, candles, Uh, Take on sex challenges, if you will. Uh, Bring some toys into the bedroom. Talk about that. Talk about your fantasies together. Um, You know, so those are just some of the... of the things, remember that sex is to be fun. Life and sex are to be enjoyed, not endured. Oh, very and, nice. You know, um, we've heard out there that men feel a little taken aback when a woman takes out a vibrator or a toy to play with while um, she's having sex with her partner. Is that a bad thing or a good thing for a couple? You know what? It depends on the couple and the conversation has to be had. And many men, I hear that quite often. There's a, there's a phenomenal uh, sex toy. It is a clitoral stimulating device. It's called the Womanizer. Oh, we and have it. Carol's favorite to- toy. <laughs> Love it. Oh, is that your favorite toy? Oh, yeah. One of them, yes. Oh, fantastic. So you know the Womanizer, and it's fantastic. Only about a third of women experience have experienced an orgasm. Many women don't even know if they've uh, experienced an orgasm. Most women require, 70% of women require clitoral stimulation to experience orgasm. Orgasm is very important. Whether you are having sex with yourself or someone else, something else is touch yourself, 
You can't, if you can't touch yourself, who can you touch? And also touch your partner in intimate ways. Touch their cheek. Touch their forehead. Touching is so important. It cannot be overstated. But, but the Womanizer is a very popular sex toy, and so many women have found it therapeutic, especially women who are, in, who are not in relationships or whose husband travels or partner travels or whatever. And, and so you've got to have that conversation with your partner because also a woman can take up to 20 minutes to experience an orgasm. So we have this in men, two minutes, quite often. So it's very quick for a man often, and it takes longer. And often the men don't want to put that time into it, or the women are too tired to put that time into it. So the womanizer, or a device like the womanizer, which is available on my website, backtothebedroom.ca, is... Uh, it's such a great therapeutic device and can really enhance lovemaking in the in the bedroom and get people back to the bedroom that much more frequently. And, you know, Maureen, uh, for, for us, the Womanizer is, is absolutely a fantastic toy that extends our sexual playtime because once we've fucked and Carol's come and had these big orgasms and, and I've come, the refractory period, like you were talking about before, is... X number of minutes, 20 minutes, a half an hour or whatever. But Carol takes out the womanizer and she plays with it and she has a couple more orgasms and I watch her and it gets the excitement going again and it gets everything going and prepped for round two. Whereas if we were just fucking and I came and she's finished and then you're done. So we we find that using toys extends our playtime together. And yes, we put the candles and we have the music and we have all that stuff in our room. So toys are definitely an enhancement to, to our sex life. And, and you bring up something, a great point about multiples for women, when, whether women are lovemaking with somebody else or they're on their own. And that's really important because multiple orgasms are a much more of a health benefit for women and just so pleasurable. And, you know, a lot of, of my patients use it therapeutically. So they, they honestly will use that to help them go into work, whereas they may have got, gone on an antidepressant. Um, you know, they're realizing that healthy sex life and healthy sexuality and experiencing orgasm is really important and making them feel so much better because sex is for women. A lot of women feel, and I get this question too, um, why, if I don't feel like making love to my partner, why should I? I feel like an object. Well, it's not about your partner. It's about pleasure for you, and a lot of women mm-hmm. forget that. So yeah, just try and remind them that, and, and shows like your your great show uh, will help do that as well. Thank, Thank you. you. So listen, I think it's now it's time for some real advice. You know, What could you tell our listeners out there? What are the top three things that a couple could do tonight to reignite their sexual passion, whether or not they're already in a sexless marriage or they just want to pump it up a little bit, spice it up. Sex talk is important. Communicate. Talk about sex. It's arousing. Talk about fantasies, pleasures. Take the time in doing that. If you've been in a sexless marriage or relationship for a a while, this is a a project. This is not um, uh, going to be fixed with one conversation, but just start that conversation. That's really important. I cannot overstate the value of touch. Touch your spouse's face. Touch your spouse's forehead. Be intimate. Kiss them. Hold them. Really get that intimacy going, get that comfort going. A lot of women are afraid to be intimate with their partners or their male partners, male husbands, because they are afraid that it's going to lead to sex and they're just too tired. So deal with whatever issue it is, but have that conversation about, I just want to touch you and hold you without the expectation 
And then just something that's fun is, you know, sweat and shower. Exercise is also good for you. So get out mm-hmm. there, pound the pavement, go to the gym, and then go into the shower together. Be intimate. Start off with just washing each other and caressing each other and maybe bringing some of the oils in. And it may or may not lead to sex, but it will certainly bring you closer. And what what one piece of advice can you give to everybody listening out there on how to find that time, carve out that niche every day to do something related to improving your relationship? Well, I think one thing is people need to do is they need to take care of themselves. They cannot take care of anybody else in any way unless they take care of themselves. So I advise everybody to take an hour a day where they do nothing. We are so busy these days. So whether it's sitting in a park, looking at the ocean, whatever, sitting on your deck, just just sitting down, having a cup of tea, not thinking about your responsibilities, and that's for both people in in the relationship. So, and then it's every day be mindful. Mindfulness is so important for sexuality. Being mindful about your sexual priorities, being mindful about your partner. Think about all of the great things about your partner, not all of the negative things. We're so easy that we can insult somebody or get angry with them and get annoyed with them. These little things in life that do not matter in the whole scheme of things. And so it's really that mindfulness cognitive behavioral therapy is so helpful in terms of living a happy life and also having a great sex life. It actually has been demonstrated in research trials to increase sexual desire. So when you're in the moment having sex, be in the moment. Think about your genitalia. Think about your partner. Don't think about your shopping list or the color yeah. you're going to paint your ceiling. <laughs> so really being in that moment is really important. And, and putting it on the front burner, saying we've had the, you know, the, the mortgage and the house renovations and child rearing and the in-laws. We're putting all of that ahead of our relationship. And in the end, after the children have gone and the in-laws have gone, it's going to be the two of you. And you want to have a great foundation and solid intimacy to carry on for the next part of your life. Fantastic, Maureen. What a great way to end an absolutely fantastic show. You are absolutely amazing. Your discussions, your your insightfulness are absolutely fantastic. And I hope people out there got the point of how they can fix their sexless marriage. And, you know, we need to thank you so much for carving time out of your day for being here, sharing your stories and advice. And why don't you take a minute to tell everyone how they can find out more about you and your services and uh, where you are on social media. Well, you are so welcome, and thank you so much for having me. As you said, this is such an important conversation, and we need to dialogue about it, and and there's really not enough education and conversation about it, so I really appreciate your time as well. My website is backtothebedroom.ca. I see see patients in my clinical practice here in Vancouver, British Columbia, but I also do Skype consults. Uh, There's information about that on my website, backtothebedroom.ca. You can follow me on Twitter at back2thebedroom. I'm on Instagram as well and on Sunday nights I uh, host the live listener call in radio show the Sunday night sex show on News Talk 980 CKNW it's a free download on iTunes so just go iTunes Maureen McGrath or iTunes Sunday night sex show and it will pop up so you can listen anywhere anytime and uh, and I give advice I answer emails so you can email me uh, there's a contact form on my website back to the bedroom.ca so I answer every email you can also go to YouTube and type in Maureen McGrath or No Sex Marriage and it'll pop up and uh, you know I think this is uh, an important conversation if, if close to 6 million 
people have viewed that uh, video on no sex marriage, masturbation, cheating, loneliness, and shame, I think we've touched uh, a few nerves out right. there. So yeah, thanks for all your great right. work. It's a very, very, and, uh, very important topic. All right. Thanks so much, Maureen. And, you know, we're learning more and more every week with all our fantastic sexpert guests. We hope you do, too. And remember, great sex matters. And you deserve it. And we encourage every couple to make a point of learning more about sex and sexuality and all the different ways to spice up your sex life. You can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, on the radio show guest page and see all our amazing sexperts. Look them up and contact them if you need more advice. Well, that's it for our show today. A big thank you to our guest, Maureen McGrath, and a special thanks to you for listening. Remember to visit our website and sign up on the sdc.com for one month free uh, with the promo code 30314. Yeah, go to our events page, find out where we're going to be next. Uh, I think we're going to be at Naughty in LA and the Naughty Cruise from September 30th to October 7th. And the Everything to Do with Sex show on November 24th in Toronto. And then, like we said, the SDC Caribbean Cruise, uh, December 9th to 6th. And if you want to come with us, uh, just go to our website and click on the page. And then we're going to Jamaica for Hito Kamasutra, January 20th to 27th. And if you have any questions, send us an email, ask at carolyndavid.com. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, where we'll be talking to Stephanie Threadgale, the sexologist, all about how to keep it sexy all the time. We are Carol and David reminding you to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 